Welcome to My Creative Corner 3, a podcast about quilting, crafting, creativity, and life in a northern town. You'll find show notes at mycreativecorner3.wordpress.com. You can leave a comment. You can sign up for my patron site. You can purchase a virtual cup of coffee or even sign up for the newsletter. Come back weekly and we'll chat. My name is Vicki and welcome to the podcast. Today is Sunday, November 24th. Thanksgiving here in the United States is coming up this week. And this weekend, we purchased our food for the dinner. It's just going to be three of us for Thanksgiving Day. And my goodness, what a trip to the grocery store. Did any of you do this too? It was the last day of the big sale at our supermarket on Saturday. You could get turkeys for 33 cents a pound. Well, yeah, it's the last day. I mean, it's only a couple days before Thanksgiving. You buy it on the last day and you put it in your refrigerator to defrost. Only, yeah, you and everybody else in the universe at every store we went to. We went to two stores yesterday and purchased the things that we're going to make. We had a turkey, which is a little bit bigger than what we wanted to get, but that's all they had. And um, we're going to definitely share that with the people at the meal. And then we're going to do mashed potatoes and pie, green beans, corn for those who don't like green beans, um, old biscuits that I have to bake, and dressing, stuffing. We're not stuffing the bird though. Um, just to make it go quicker, I have one of those large roasters and my husband is the head chef on Thanksgiving Day. And he makes the most wonderful turkey and side dishes. <laughs> Why do you ask? Well, you see, about 33 years ago, on our very first Thanksgiving, I knew nothing about cooking a meal. I mean, seriously, I knew how to do lasagna and I knew how to make chili and that was about it. So we did <laughs> 2,000 miles from home. We stuffed the bird. We did everything and we cooked it until the little um, timer popped up. You know, back in the day, they used to just put these um, plastic things in and when the bird was cooked, it would pop up. Yeah, I didn't have a meat thermometer. I had no idea. I you know, we didn't have the internet either. So you couldn't really look up how long a bird was supposed to cook. So, you know, the rest of the story was we were sick for three days and, um, and I deferred my, <laughs> my duties to my husband the next year. I said, you want to cook this bird? And, and yeah, we got to meet the Roberter and roasting pans. And yeah, we've been cooking it ever since. And no one has got sick at our house for Thanksgiving since because I am the assistant and I am the sous chef and the cleaner upper. <laughs> That's about it. So you have any funny Thanksgiving memories? That was kind of funny now. It wasn't funny at the time, but it was a lot of fun. So yeah, trying to recreate those meals that we had when we were children and we bought way too much food and we're probably doing the same here, but trying to keep it to where it's not as many side dishes because there's not as many people and a smaller amount. 
And wow, it's really hard to do when you had to get a, I think it's an 18 pound bird was the smallest one they had. So that's going to be very interesting. Then, you know, Good Friday, we're going, Good Friday, Black Friday. Oh my goodness. We're going to go down to a hockey game and go visit the kids who live in um, the west side of Michigan and maybe have a light dinner, um, maybe go out going to avoid stores if at all possible. And Saturday, I don't know what we're going to do, but we'll we'll meander home. The weather looks like it's going to be good. And what I love is this weekend, the sun has peaked out. I've watched it rise each morning drinking my coffee. It has slowly warmed up to 40 degrees and it's melting the snow. Yeah, we've had a week where we got more snow and it was gray, so I'm really enjoying the sunshine. But what's even better is today is a day we're going to be able to go do the roundup in the yard, pick up the last of the fairy garden things. One of my garden totems broke and there's glass sticking out, so I don't want an animal to get hurt or and it's by the house. I mean, a kid wouldn't run up there, but that's got to get picked up. And, you know, just kind of puttering around this weekend. I'm still holding on to Thanksgiving and fall, even though it looks like Christmas. It feels like Christmas. Everywhere I go, it's Christmas. And it's been Christmas. And it feels like it's been Christmas for a month. Um, I wrote a big Saturday morning coffee about it. I'm not ready for Christmas. I'm still in fall. I'm still in football. I'm still in Thanksgiving and all my pumpkins and orange decorations are out. And I'm going to hold out until next week. I will pick those up and I will slowly start to put out my red and green things. But I am not ready for Christmas. But then I looked at the calendar and said, you got to get ready for Christmas. I got to mail out a couple of far-flung family, um, their gifts in the mail. And if I don't get moving on it, there isn't going to be anything there for them to open on Christmas. So I need to get moving on that. No clue, have no ideas, and I'm just kind of flailing along when it comes to Christmas gifts. You know, it's just tough trying to figure out, you know, you don't want to like infringe upon um, things that their parents are going to buy the grandkids and the kids are old enough where the gifts they want are very, you know, they're adults. So the gifts they want and need are usually practical things or repairs on a car or a couch or something I can't afford, a stove. Yeah, we need a, we need a new stove and oven too. So I'm thinking it may be more gift certificate and small love gifts, which I've been working on. So we'll talk about what have I been crafting. So the Cricut has been my mainstay for love gifts, which I consider things like under $20. They have, you know, $20 in material, but you know, lots of time have gone into making things. I'm continuing to make the chalk paint little plaques with, um, jute rope that you hang it from has kind of a country farmhouse look and they're super cute and I've done several trial runs and experiments and I've settled on um, something and I'm not going to say all of it because you know some of my family who might be getting one who may or may not be getting one listen to the podcast so I'm making 
12 because I figure if I make 12 of these signs I'll have a couple that might turn out okay because you know as I've gotten the front end a couple were experiments and a couple of them were disasters <laughs> and some of them had to be all peeled back and done again but I think if I make all 12 um, I'll find people that will like them and to be honest you know they're not going to be perfect and I'm still debating on whether I want to add like a little three-dimensional type of effect to it with the vinyl on the paint. But I'm going to think about it. The other things I've been working on is I'm knitting up the last of my grandma's favorite dishcloth. And so in the knitting front, I made probably two or three blue washcloths will be enough for one more. And while I was shopping yesterday at Aldi, they have, you know, arts and crafts things out. And I found like a one pound DK weight acrylic yarn. I like to knit with acrylic yarn. I don't know why people um, do look down upon it, but wool after a while gets to me. Cotton can be um, dusty. And this acrylic yarn is super soft and is in Christmas red. And I have no idea what I'm going to do with it. But it has pattern on the back for like a scarf or maybe a big oversized cowl or a shawl. I mean, there's big enough, um, it's a big enough skein of yarn that it can keep me knitting for quite some time. So that was a fantastic find at Aldi. And I'm going to have fun with that. And... I really don't have any other yarn things planned. I just have a bunch of oddball skeins in my stash. And I think I have another one that's cotton. And I have a couple of other just kind of, I think I even have like one sock yarn things. Just weird, weird amalgamation of stuff. Flax, I have flax yarn. I don't know what to do with it. You know, one was like a tiny little necklace. I'm not going to do that. I may try to crochet it or make book markers or I don't know see I was part of a yarn of a month thing a long time ago and the things that I'm stumped on is just languishing in my stash and I really want to use that up this next year and <laughs> try to figure out some cool things to do so that's on the crafty front now I made a non-quilt sewn item which is the church ladies apron and that is a pattern out there called the church ladies got like a yoke that you just slip up over your head and then you tie it at the waist and it has a wavy little edge on the bottom I'm pretty happy with how it turned out my um, top stitching is you know probably not perfect but I did a really cute one and I think I'm going to try to make a couple more and there may be some surprises for people if I have time to sew up a few more. And I think that's going to be my sewing between now and Christmas. I'm not going to do a lot of um, sewing and piecing for quilting. So the church lady apron, I'm pretty happy. I'm terrible at garment sewing. And this is close enough to garment sewing with, you know, clipping the curves. But I even put patch pockets on I'm pretty proud of that <laughs> so and I'm telling you what the thing that makes a huge difference I think when you do crafting as well as garment making is that I have an alpaca mat it's felted and it's just like a wool mat I have some of those too but I like the alpaca one because it doesn't smell and make me itch it's very hypoallergenic and you can get it at haloinspirations.com totally love it it's a game changer in making the seams just 
crisp and then I was able to press them tight and flat and perfect and razor sharp and then do top stitching. My garment sewing, you know, has probably a lot to be desired, but it's gotten me interested in trying to do simple things. And I have a serger. I may dig out after the holidays and dust it off and try to figure out why I can't keep the fourth looper thread threaded. Does that make sense? If anyone has any great ideas, it's a Janome serger. I've taken it to the shop. I've had him show me how to do it 300 times. I've tried the old trick where you tie a piece of thread and pull it through. To, uh, it's just an it's just the reason why it was at the yard sale is because it is hard to thread. It sews beautifully and surges edges beautifully. Thinking, you know, I would love to do some napkins and placemats and I've surged edges of tablecloths for the holidays. Yeah, but I can't. The last time I tried, I couldn't get it threaded. I can't see very well to get that darn looper threaded. So it's kind of an annoying thing because it taunts me. I see that machine sitting here near my dining room table and I'm going, I really, really wish I could get that thing up and running. So that's the crafting front. I have not um, worked on my pineapple, modern pineapple quilt at all. I am hand sewing though in the evenings and I am down to the last three hexagons for the temperature quilt. So this is a something, you know, for English paper piecers, you know, maybe you could point me in the right direction. So I have all of my flowers. There's seven. They represent one week of temperature this last year. And I stopped in August because I, I'm getting back into um, not very many color variations because there's a lot of blue for cold, and orange for warm and green for the middle ground. And then when we started head, heading into September, it started getting to be way more orange and then to blue. And I might already have a lot of orange and blue. So why don't we just leave it at like a nine month temperature quote? I've never joined hexagons before from the flowers or even in rows. So I thought, well, there's only what? Four times eight is 32. There's 32 of these flowers. And I thought, why don't I start by learning to applique them on a square? And then I will learn maybe on the heart-shaped um, English paper piece, which I'm going to get going after I'm done with this. Maybe I'll learn how to do rows on that particular quilt. And then I have the bumblebee. It was part of a bee swap this summer with all the fabric and hexagons for another project. So I thought, well, why don't I just applique them on a white background? I have ultra white cotton. Um, it looks like, uh, I think it's Kona. It was given to me by one of my friends who's a seamstress and she uses it for costuming, but she said it's Kona white. And I thought that would be great. Then I could spread them out. I could do um, quilting in between blank squares. I could sash it if I wanted, but I just think that to keep it small and portable, I want to be able to sew on maybe like a six or eight inch background and then be able to join them up together. So that is my long-term slow stitching project, hand sewing. And I think that will keep me busy for a while. I'm hoping that putting them on <laughs> 
the blocks isn't going to be a disaster. Um, I'm leaving the papers in until I get it sewed, every side sewed. So once you sew a side, you pop the paper out and then do the next. And I, I think I can do this. I have, I have uh, some fear about it, but I think it will be fine. I mean, it just comes a point. You've read about it. I've YouTubed it. I've looked at a million tutorials. You just got to do it. And the first time you do it, it's going to be scary. And then after that, it'll be fine. And it's just a learning quilt. It's not even going to be real big. It'll probably be more of a uh, decoration on the back of my couch with these bright, bold colors. And then it'll be a sampler of stitches for me to long arm. So that is the sewing project that I'm working on. Now, the thing that I am long arming is a very interesting project. So it is a vintage quilt and I'm not sure if a great aunt or a great great aunt on my husband's side hand sewed it. It's all shirts, plaid shirts from the 70s and Oxford shirts that were cut up, crumb pieced into rectangles and then joined with a calico. Now the problem is I spent a week trying to repair all the broken stitches and gaping seams put it on the frame and of course the longer it's out the more i touch it the more i pressed it the more i quilt on it seams are popping and that's just how it is with vintage and antique quilts so i'm kind of doing it slowly just i'm the queen of swirls remember it's going to be all over swirls just to give it texture and hold it together i've had to top stitch a few broken seams i've had seams pop and catch my hopping foot so i just want to tell you if you have a lot of vintage tops you really have to give it consideration on whether or not you want to finish it i have a lot of vintage tops that were hand sewn they're very very old they're very fragile. Some are hand pieced by family members. Others were picked up at yard sales or at um, secondhand shops, or sometimes people just give them to me. And I tend to keep them unfinished because this is what happens. And if you catch your hopping foot and you jam it really well into your machine, um, you could really mess up your machine. And I don't want to do that. The other part is if you long arm on a antique quilt it sometimes looks odd and I, I'm going to be honest if you have been to quilt shows AQS has had many displays over the years where people machine finished these antique vintage some hand-sewn quilts and I'll be honest it sometimes you know to me a vintage quilt looks great with hand stitching hand quilting on it but not everything is not everything is meant to be finished, but in this case, this quilt, um, it needed to be finished. It's full of memories and shirts that people wore, and it's done by a family member and an ancestor of the person who pieced it is going to get this. And it's going to be a great memory quilt. You have to be careful though when you're long arming these things because your machine is very powerful. The needles are very big. They punch holes. And I've got some holes that are punched because it's not 100% cotton. But you have to understand there's going to be ripples. There's going to be some pop stitches and the edges are going to be wobbly. But that's not the whole point of finishing this particular quilt. 
it means a lot of sentimental value and the person wants the quilt to be used because it's disintegrating and it's going to probably be totally gone in a few years if people don't use it or enjoy it while they can take some photos and and really snuggle under it and enjoy but don't wash it much you know I've done a couple of these types of quilts for people and it w it meant so much to the person that it's okay that it's not perfect I like things to be more perfect, but I can see the value of doing this. I just have to be super careful not to mess up my machine. That's all. So I'm having fun. You know, I even got, I'm to the halfway point on this. And, it, you know, kind of speaking of Christmas, if you ever watched Charlie Brown Christmas, where Linus, you know, picks up the saddest little tree in the lot and, you know, he goes, it just needs love. Well, that's how this quilt is. And the more I stitch on it, the more it seems like it's coming alive under my fingers and it's becoming loved and it's becoming, you know, into this living, breathing document of memories that's going to be a textile for someone to share with their family. So it's really turning out. Good news is I'm not binding it. Um, she's going to bind that before she gives it to the person and I'm going to let her I do a little more hand stitching repairs to that the ones that are obvious because you know yeah tiny, I got my own hand <laughs> stitching projects this is a family member so they're helping me out so overall you have to really look when you have an antique top many of them I keep for posterity as tops I like to look at them I like to examine how they were pieced I know they're very fragile I keep them in places where they won't be oxidize too much or they'll be um, too much sunlight or stressed because you know they're just going to rot most of those are probably from the f depression era to the 40s and 50s I have a little collection of those the other part is um, old quilts stink I'm sorry old quilt tops do I don't care if you wash it and you soak it and you do all kinds there's a certain old funk that comes on <laughs> old textiles and after a while it oh can you hear me sniffing today it really does um, start affecting my sinuses and my quilt machine is in my bedroom so I don't like to have too many vintage stinky quilts this one she did a nice job washing it but there's still as it oxidizes I think it's probably just the age and you know the fabrics that are not going to make it long <laughs> you know um, the smell on that but overall you just it can be done you just have to be careful so that's pretty much it on the whole what have I been up to but let me talk about some of the other fun things I've been doing now of course I have been watching football the Detroit Lions are breaking my heart again this season Grand Valley I went to one or two of the college games there um, they didn't make it deep in the playoffs but they had a decent season and I think we went to one home game but we always follow them University of Michigan is breaking my heart I'm telling you I think they're borrowing plays out of the Lions playbook <laughs> um, Michigan State is you know been kind of sad with all the um collegiate um, sporting um, controversies and tragedies of uh, Michigan State's kind of really broken my heart and I, I just can't even watch their sports. Um, I'm trying to 
just be a fan of people who are have integrity and teams that um, do no harm. So enough said on that topic. So I have, you know, my seasons for football is winding up. Watched a couple of hockey games. We're going to a Grand Rapids Griffin hockey game. But our Detroit Red Wings are rebuilding. I think we're in the 10th year of rebuilding now. So, um, yeah, <laughs> I don't watch tons on the television. But we got Disney+. Plus. Um, I have a hard time finding things to watch on Netflix and Hulu and Amazon Prime. We have all of that. Um, you know, I can't find anything. I think their um, interface for menu or whatever to find things is super hard for me to find things on. But for whatever reason, Disney's is easier for me. And I think um, maybe it has more things that I'm interested in. So I'm finding more things. So we are watching the Mandalorian. I think it's Mandalorian. Mandalorian. I'm not sure, but it's the new Star Wars show. And it's a half hour show after you watch the first one. And I think we've only got three so far. They're letting them out weekly. Kind of like in the old days, we had to wait and build up anticipation. And then everyone's talking about it. Oh, I love it. It's just, it's so fun. And it has lots of nostalgia to it. It's not disgustingly violent. And it's just, I like it. And there's a little baby Yoda in there and he's got my heart. And I really, really hope that all good things happen. I love the characters in this movie and in this show. And it's really, really sweet. We've also on Disney had time to look at a couple shows that are on their Nat Geo channel and some of their documentaries. And I want to watch, I have not watched many of the Disney newer shows. So Moana is on my list. I've got to watch. And my husband's never seen Sleeping Beauty. So we're going to watch that. So there's a lot of things that we're going to catch up on. And some of the fun um, weekly shows that used to be on, even on the Disney channel back in the 90s. Those are fun. So my kids have been having fun watching that and the grandkids and we we're talking about it. But I'm telling you, I, if you're a Star Wars fan like me, I love, love, love The Mandalorian. Now, I am actually listening to a book and it's a creepy book. I'm halfway through it and it's a thriller and it's called the Marsh King's Daughter. It's not a light re read. It's even listening to it in the morning. It's not a light listen, but it takes place in the UP. And if you like thrillers or mysteries, I like mysteries a lot. So this is kind of like a twist on a mystery. Um, it does have some violence in it and it's got some tough topics. So if you are easily triggered or stressed, um, don't read this book. <clears throat> but I am fascinated by this book. It is about a young lady, and I'm not going to give any of the plot line away, but you know right out the gate, this young woman grew up, no electricity, out in the middle of nowhere in the UP, and no, she had no contact with humans. Her father, humans, outside of her family, her father kidnapped her mother when she was a early teen, and she was the product of this kidnapping. So you have this mystery because right out the gate, you know that her father is in prison and then he escapes and dun, 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 all kinds of 
thrills, suspense, chills, creepiness, flashbacks to, you know, it's, she's telling the story and, and as she's going through modern times, she's thinking about her childhood. So you learn about it bit by bit. And it's actually pretty well written. And the narrator on the audiobook is good. It's really, really something that I'm enjoying in a very creepy, suspenseful kind of way. It is not a lighthearted good read. But you know, I like mysteries. Um, and I like all of the Nordic noir that's on Netflix. You know, I loved Broadchurch, the first two seasons. Loved um, the one in Scotland. I can't think of its name right now. Oh, the name of the island. It's the name of the island. Fair Isle, Shetland. Shetland is the name of it. But I hated Hinterland. I watched the first part of it and I, I couldn't get into it. And I loved the one in Sweden with that actor. And I'm drawing a blank on that. But anyway, those kinds of things I really do like. I like the heaviness of it. I like to watch them in bits and pieces, drag them out. So this is a neat way to have the same kind of experience only I'm listening to it there's no video to pay attention to and it's all done in the storytelling super super cool so I don't have any other recommendations for entertainment but if you have any good ones to please let me know in the show notes I also want to tell you that I started recording my I started recording the story that I wrote about a quilter and it is for patrons only at this time. So if you'd like to listen to it, you can become a patron. Um, the first installment is about a half hour long and I have probably three or four recordings to get the first part of the story at its ending point. Then I'll have to write the second half of the story. So feel free to check out the patron site. You can check it out um, on the blog, which is mycreativecorner3.wordpress.com. You can also sign up for my monthly newsletter. You can be in on all of the things that's going on via the newsletter. I have a blog with show notes that I should be able to link up pictures and maybe a short video of the things that I talked about today and leave me a comment. So everyone have the most wonderful Thanksgiving and quilt on everyone. <laughs>